Have you ever felt so exhausted and drained that you're left questioning if you're burning out? Hi, I'm Flick Taylor, and my passion for burnout and self-care came about when I became a mental health writer who'd lost her mental health to extreme burnout. I know, the irony is not lost on me. Join me as I host Everyday Burnout Conversations, the honest podcast that shares the stories of others, more walks of life as they recover from, manage and avoid burnout by prioritising their mental health and well-being. Expect to hear fascinating conversations, plus positive and actionable tips and tricks that can help you make the simple life changes your mental health will thank you for. Episodes will be delightfully wrapped up in some epic truths and great humour. So, enjoy! Today I share an everyday burnout conversation with Ebony Gilbert. Ebony lives and works as a doula in East London and her acclaimed new poetry collection, The Skin I'm In, has just been published by Blood Moon Poetry Press. Ebony's poetry never fails to impact. This Skin I'm In is a book that ultimately leads me to reach for tissues as her words both achingly resonate and always tap deep into your soul. As a teen, Ebony was spotted by a top London model agency and went on to work as a glamour model and then actress appearing in a number of films. While Ebony appeared to have an amazing career, she was also battling an addiction to drugs and alcohol. Following rehab, she met her partner and became a mum. Weeks after the birth, Ebony discovered that her son was blind and he has since had multiple diagnoses, including learning disabilities and autism. Through her beautiful and searingly honest poetry and Instagram posts, Ebony openly talks about working through difficult and traumatic experiences. She shares her journey into self-compassion and her experience of being a special needs mum to the scrumptious six-year-old George. It was an absolute privilege to have Ebony read her poetry in this episode, including a new poem she'd only recently written the previous weekend. Ebony encouraged me to read my favourite poem, Too Much, but be prepared as my voice goes a little bit wobbly and I have a few tears at the end as I can just never seem to get through this awe-inspiring poem without it piercing my heart. In this episode, Emily talks about her experience with chronic fatigue syndrome. She shares so much wisdom of her journey from rehab and recovery to self-compassion and she talks about prioritising space and time for her writing as well as dedicating guilt-free rest time from being a busy working mum. I love this chat with Ebony and I truly appreciated her gentle nudge to read her poem, along with the space she held for me and the emotion it evoked. So, without further ado, get ready to enjoy this everyday burnout conversation with the lovely Ebony Gilbert. Well, Ebony, I have to say you are an absolute gift to the world. You really are. Um, I'm in awe of your beautiful poetry. I, I'm so pleased you've written this book. And I, I only got it last week, actually, and I've read it three times already. I'm just, you can see all the flags in it. It's, oh, I love that. Oh, honestly, don't. it's full of highlighter. And there's probably a few tear-stained pages too, because there's a certain poem that just gets me every time it's it's your words and your honesty it's just honestly I can't imagine anyone not being impacted by your poems and and them landing in their heart like they're just you know they nestle in there and stay they're just incredible 
Um, and to start us off, I'd love you to talk about your experience with chronic fatigue syndrome because you've got a beautiful square on your Instagram and it's just these this beautiful sentence. And one day spiritual winter just ended. No merge into spring, only a sudden warmth to end shivering. And every time it gets me <laughs> because I think anyone listening who's experiencing burnout, fatigue, exhaustion, that little insta square really, I don't know, it just kind of holds you, you know? So I'd love you to start off. <laughs> with the, Yeah, I mean, oh God. I, you know, I haven't really spoken to anyone specifically about my chronic fatigue. Um, and I think the reason for that is that I, I constantly have this thing in the back of my mind that people will think, oh, it's not a serious thing, or or you're just tired, we're all tired, get on with it. Um, And it feels almost like even though I have a diagnosis and, you know, whether I have one or not, and I know lots of people that don't have a diagnosis and should have, and uh, their experience is as valid as someone who does have one. Um, But even having that diagnosis, I still, yeah, get this feeling that because it can't be seen, it's not you know, you can't look at someone and say, oh, you know, yes, they might look a bit tired, but you can't look at, you can't look and see um, how weak and exhausted somebody feels inside. And particularly when you're um, somewhat of a showman, showwoman, even perfectionist, you know, I can stick on the jazz hands and really go to town even when I'm feeling absolutely dreadful and then what people don't see is the the hours and days and sometimes weeks of crippling exhaustion that that follow those bouts of trying to pretend and trying to carry on when you really can't um so I was I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome it was about eight years ago now um I'm going to be 40 soon so it was kind of in my early 30s and I'll give you a little idea of what was happening on the run up to that. So um, I had decided overnight, as I often do, about drastic life changes. Oh, I'm going to do this. And, you know, my partner, Steve, will be like, maybe you should think about that. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to do it now and I'm going to make it happen overnight. <laughs> so I um, I'd got back from doing a really awful wanky promotional job um I was an actress at the time and I was doing loads of kind of promo work felt very unfulfilled and I decided overnight I'm going to be a midwife which is quite a big change um I started looking into midwifery and within a couple of weeks I'd booked onto you know the uh, the access to midwifery at the time which was like a one-year course that needed to be done before the degree so I then I started this course I was also working as an actress I was working doing promotional work and sales work um when I started the midwifery training they they talked about how few places there are for training midwives now and how you have to get 30 distinctions if you want to even get a look in at a university so I you know I'm, I'm naturally I'm fairly bright, but I'm certainly not the cleverest person in anywhere. <laughs> um, but I, I, what I do have is what I call this kind of dog with a bone tenacity, where I'm like, I will motherfucking make this happen. Yes. I will make it happen. <laughs> and 
We'll talk more about how that's faded and returned later. <laughs> um, so I was like, right, okay, so uh, I need 30 distinctions, no problem, tick, I'm going to make that happen. And I will work myself literally almost to death to make that happen. Um I they they also said that you know you really need some kind of experience in that kind of sector to be taken seriously at the moment. So I then came across doulas and I didn't know what a doula was at the time. That's now my full-time job by the way, but um I decided okay, I will also train as a doula at the same time and start attending births. So there I was attending births, you know, being a mentor doula working at like the Idol Home Show exhibition, doing 30 days straight, making sure I was getting every single distinction possible, which I did. I made that happen. Um, and I had this typical me thing of, they said, you know, we we want, we want you can apply to four universities. And I kind of made this deal with myself that you, you're going to get into all of them. And they said, you might get into one if you're lucky. It's it's very unlikely. No one gets into all four. And I thought, oh, but you haven't met me yet. And again, it's not, <laughs> it's not because I'm really clever. Because I'm just going to work <laughs> your ass off and make it happen. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Um, and so I set about doing that. And while I was... So I was going for an interview at King's University. I'd already decided... I didn't really want to go there because I thought it's a bit too academic for me, but I just thought, but I want to be able to say, yeah, I got into Kings. I got into all of the ones that I applied for. So uh, not in a kind of egotistical way even, but just to say, look, I can do it. I can do it. I can make anything happen. Um, I, amidst all that, so I was working at the Ideal Home Show, you know, kind of doing salesy, promo-y kind of work. I was doing 12-hour days um, and on, it must have been about the third week of doing that whilst doing all my studying in between, whilst attending births overnight, that I came down with what at the time seemed like a very bad cold and quickly turned into what felt like flu. Mm. Um, and I felt suddenly like the plug had been pulled out of me and I just couldn't. I remember, you know, I used to kind of run everywhere. I'm, I'm you know, I was known for my kind of manic energy and I suddenly realized as I was walking back from Earl's Court, I thought I, I, I was walking along and I thought I, I cannot walk anymore. I need to get a taxi, even though I'm going five minutes down the road. Um, and so I was about to say cut a long story short, but we've got time, haven't we? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> darling. That's what we're here to talk about. Um, so I, th- this, what I thought was the flu and this awful weakness that came over me, it didn't go away. And the flu symptoms went away. So like the cold and the headaches and the um, cough and all that kind of stuff disappeared, but the weakness didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And that led very quickly to me having to drop out of midwifery. So I managed to get four places at four universities and couldn't go to any of them. Um, had to stop attending births, had to stop working altogether. So it became, you know, I went from doing three lots of circuit training a week, plus all my jobs, plus, you know, all the social occasions to not being able to lift my phone up, to not being able to use a pen, uh, to being pretty much bed bound for, for quite a long period of time. So, uh, it was also around about that time that my brother passed away as well, which is not something I'll go into detail about and I'm not saying that's why it 
happened because it happened before that. But I think the combination of the physical and practical stress on my body and mind combined with the, for me, the being what I call on the run. So being on the run from my emotions on a daily basis and filling every minute with doing, 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 and being human doing and not being a human being at all. Uh, and it just broke me, it absolutely broke me. Um, and it was very frightening. And yeah, th- I mean, so much obviously has happened since then, but that was the moment that it happened. And I got a diagnosis fairly quickly because it was, I think, within about six months of it, of it happening. Um, yeah, so pretty much a a real fast burnout it seemed to happen almost overnight but it was years in the making really yeah I I certainly can relate to that it's um you're so right it's almost like it's years in the making and our personalities of just wanting I'm like you I'm not a natural academic I've always had to work that little bit harder um and I've been determined to do it because it's almost like you've got to prove to yourself haven't you there's this imposter syndrome there's all sorts and I think yeah I don't know about you but when when you have to when you're forced to sit with the discomfort of what you're feeling it's it's hard isn't it and it's almost like your body just says no more now no more Mm -hmm. you can't carry on for the rest of your life doing this no more sit down sit and feel everything And then when you unpack everything and what's led you to that point, I think that's when the real work starts, Ebony. I I certainly, you know, this is me a year on from having to, like just being taken down and in my bed for three weeks. it's, It's a fascinating experience to go through, isn't it? Because it's so layered. Um... But do you think, how how do you approach, did, did it change how you approach things now? Did it change how you, you know, go about your, your day-to-day life now? Or do you still slip back sometimes? Yeah, I, I totally yeah. slip back. Um, you know, let, I just want to be as honest as possible about it. You know, I hear lots of people saying, you know, I, I was... I was burnt out and da, 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 and now I, you know, I've got this great balance and that's not my experience. Um, I, I have changed a lot as a direct result of literally being unable to carry on. Yeah. Um, however, I, you know, I remember my partner saying to me in the first few months after it happened, I was still trying to defy it. And I remember trying to get, bending down to try and get something out of the fridge in our old flat. And I could not get back up again. And I and I was just down there. And Steve looked at me and he said, he said, How long are you gonna keep on doing this? He said, Do I do I need to be pushing you around in a wheelchair? You know, it, what are you are you gonna continue to keep fighting this? You know, maybe, maybe your body's trying to tell you something. And it was actually it was still a, f- a few years of me having chronic fatigue um before I really started to listen a bit more to my body and understand the value of rest and you know that kind of what I call that kind of sacred exhaustion and that sort of realizing that in that in those kind of slow restful periods a lot of good can come rather than 
okay, not every second of my day is fully, you know, uh, productive and, Mm. you know, that I'm not ticking stuff off my list. And it, you know, it wasn't until, yeah, a a couple of years ago, really, that I started really realising that, okay, you know, when I start to feel weak, I know that I'm doing too much. I know that I need to rein it in. And it's sometimes I really listen to it. And I, when I'm in a good place of self-esteem, I think, yeah, you know what? I need to rest. I deserve that. But when I'm not, I'm like, fuck you body. I will carry on and I will publish not one book, but two at the same time. And I will, you know, and occasionally people, my friend Michelle yesterday, we were on the phone and I had a bit of a breakdown and I was you know, oh, that's what I was ringing for her for. And she yeah. knows that if I'm ringing, I'm just like, oh, I need to have a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. um, we do have fun as well, you know, when we go for dinner and stuff. But <laughs> if I'm ringing, I'm like, she's like, you all right, babe? And I'm like, you need to talk. Just um, need to have a moment. And she's just went, she went, she went, I'm not, she said, I'm not surprised you're exhausted and all over the place. She said, when I, she said, I keep looking on Instagram and it's like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I've got a book coming out and I'm making this happen and I'm looking after my son who's got special needs and I'm, you know, and I'm helping this one and doing that. And and I realised that I've gone into um, a bit of mad production again lately. Uh, and, but the difference is that I have made a plan once the kind of, you know, the, obviously promoting the book and yeah. you know doing what I need to do with that I've made a plan to not have any projects and I haven't put a time limit on it but I need to um and that will involve coming off Instagram for a couple of weeks I was about to say a while and I thought a couple of weeks doesn't have to be that long <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and it will be it will be doing this thing that I do I was doing really well up until recently and that was scheduling rest time Okay. So, so for me, Fridays up until recently, where I've been really busy again, I would say, right, Friday is my me day where I do whatever the hell I want. And no, I, I'm not available for doula interviews. I'm not available for podcasts. I'm not available for appointments. I'm not available for anything, for anyone, because it's my day and I'll do what I feel like doing. And I sometimes make a list of, and the list is called things I might do if I feel like I want to. And it's like, I might go to the sauna. I might go for a swim. I might go for a Starbucks. I might read a book. I might watch Long Lost Family. I might scroll on Instagram in the bath with some candles, or I might not do any of those things. And it's like, I can pick things off that list, or I can just get in bed and nap and watch friends and, you know, eat eat pizza and yeah. So oh my god! Pretty, that's sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> but I know that feeling because I do exactly the same. And I, oh, you're so right. You do, you almost need to have it written down in black and white. To this, these are the nice things. It's it's reminding you of the good things that you enjoy doing because it's so easy to. I don't know what it is. It's like my default is to be overproductive. And yeah. it's it's actually a real battle, isn't it, darling? To be like, I will only work four and a half hours today. <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah. it's I can't. I'm I just find myself getting absorbed in the work, and it, it's really difficult. Um, okay. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because I can remember speaking to Penny Winson, and she's a mum to a little boy with special needs, and and I think she was saying that it's you know it's a non-negotiable. 
it's a non-negotiable for parents but certainly um when you have a little one with special needs you're you know because she said there's there is no one else there's no backup it's just me mm. and do you that must kind of be kind of like your north star in a way yeah and i think um you know the first couple of years so george is six now um oh he's... i have to say ebony's gorgeous i do want oh, to put is. in my application to be in the george fan club oh my gosh he's just gorgeous darling it's... i tell you what flick oh. how about we send him over to canada for a little holiday come with me come with me darling oh i used to be a respite worker in london and i did you to... Yeah, as a play therapist, it's a great almost street witnesses. So I have a lot of experience with um, special needs. And there's, oh. there's something about George. I, every time I see him, it just, like, when he's on Instagram stories and he was, like, learning, he was standing up on his own the other day, yeah. it just lifts my heart. Just like, oh, George. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's, he, I have to say, you know, he is pretty special and beautiful yeah. and he's got this kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. Some kind of magical, yeah. beautiful, funny energy. And even though he's never said a word, it's like you just know the essence of him, you know. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's absolutely everything. My 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 entire world. And yeah. you know, he's yeah. Anyway, I won't gush on too long about him because oh, I, I don't know. I could. I love it. <laughs> George we love you we do love you but you know I think it's actually it's become even more essential to have these planned rest breaks um and kind of leisure time so there's an affirmation that I really like which is um I allow myself ample leisure time without feeling guilty and I really like that and I heard it in, it's like a, a codependency um, affirmation. And and it's something that up until, you know, maybe three years ago, I just could not do. You know, I guess I'd go for dinners and meet friends, but people would be like, oh, do you want to come for a coffee? And I think, I haven't got time. I've got things to do. And, you know, I've got to make things happen. And, oh, these endless, endless lists of to-do lists. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I can, I very much still fall into that. But generally now like I say my Fridays I'm like my Fridays I have to myself and after school George will go to his nans and um you know I I make sure that that is a don't have to do anything day um I've also started getting much better at um booking in little regular breaks so what I've always done in the past is wait until I'm at absolute breaking point I'm at exhaustion point I can't cope mentally I can't cope physically and then I'll be like please can somebody help me and 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 a lot of people are like the help is there if you just ask and so much of my problem has been this not wanting to ask for help being afraid of asking for help and I can see you nodding because I'm just I know you I do this (laughs) yeah and not asking for help and it's like you know what and and that self-fulfilling prophecy of like see no one's helping me I'm all alone and it's like actually no you're not and there is help available and lots of people even people who I've never even met on Facebook who follow George's page are like is there any is there any way I can help and you know oh I'm always here to talk and I think god these are like really lovely kind people that I don't even know um and you know I've got some wonderful family and friends who if I ask them they will come and babysit. And I know not everybody is as lucky as that and not everyone has 
family, you know, my my family live in Nottingham and it takes four hours to get there. And um, But what, what we did was Steve and I, we had a weekend away, um, I think it was last year, sort of when there was the break in the COVID bit when you could mm. kind of do things again. And we were both like, you know, George had been off school for a long time and it was a really difficult, stressful time. Um, and we, again, waited wait until we were broken before we asked for help for the weekend. Um, and what we decided there and then was, let's book these in. As soon as we've been on one break, we book in the dates for the next one. So we're not waiting until we can't cope. We are saying, right, there's going to be another break coming in three months. We're going to the Peak District for a weekend mm. and we're going to have... Log a sauna in a log cabin, and we're going to read books, and we're going to have dinner together in the cabin, and not go anywhere, and have baths, and it's yes. going to be lovely. So we're actually doing that not next weekend, the one after, and of knowing that you've got that booked in, and something to look forward to, and yeah. knowing that there's a break coming, is really helpful. And you know, I even I went on a, a writer's retreat in Snowdonia um, last week. Yeah. In oh, it was absolutely gorgeous. So it was with mothers who write and. I never would have booked that for myself a couple of years ago. I'd be like, okay. oh no, I, I can't do that. I can't just go off and do that. That's far too luxurious and privileged. And uh, you know, I can't I can't leave Steve. How's he gonna cope? And what we what we did was I said to Steve, why don't we for the four nights on the way, we can, you know, maybe pay the childminder to come for a couple of hours and help with like dinner and bath time yeah. and stuff because you will have been at work all day. Maybe we can ask your mum for a night to help. And it was doable. And yeah. yes, he was very tired when I got back. But then I took over for the weekend and he relaxed. And yeah, we, I would say on the whole, I've got a lot better at it. I still wobble. Um, and 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 the only reason I wobble is because when I'm trying to get away from feelings that I don't like, which is all of the ones that are not joy and happiness, um, <laughs> what I do is I fill up my busyness. I'm like, oh, I'm going to write another book or let's move house or let's have another baby or like, what's the next project? Because it keeps my mind so occupied that I don't have to feel. But that doesn't work anymore. It works for a very short period of time. And then my body, actually, much as I've slagged it off and said, oh, why isn't my stupid body working? And I can't do what I want to do in my brain, in my mind rather. My Occasionally when I'm a, in a good space, I'll be like, my body is so intelligent. It's just saying, hello, I'm really, really tired. Could you just slow down a bit? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be on this hamster wheel. You don't have to do that. You can step off. It's okay. Oh, honestly, you're so right, Ebony. You're so right. It's And it's funny because I know you um, do tapping as well. And I, I talked to Sarah um, Tobin yeah. a while back. And um, it's interesting because that busyness, um, it's, I, I chatted to a brilliant coach, Deb Edwards, and she was saying how it's a safety strategy from, you know, for all these years, I mean, Christ, I've got 44 years of these bloody deep ingrained patterns, but it's been a safety strategy. And I think, you know, when Sarah taught me that um, tapping routine of telling you, you are safe, like it mm. just, it had such power for me. And I think um, you're right. We've been slagging off our body. I definitely have been so critical of myself and my body for, you know, being weak and not being able to carry on and for all those years all the things I've been able to do but you're so right our bodies have been amazing they've gone and stop 
yeah. you have got some i mean ebony this book is incredible thank goodness you stopped and and had moments to write because this is just oh my gosh i just love it and treasure it and it's going to help so many people your words are just amazing so I'm so glad to hear you went on the writer's retreat and you mm. you carved that time out for yourself because it's a gift to the world. So actually we owe you <laughs> these breaks <laughs> to do this. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it was, I think, just finding that space for writing. And sometimes I do it from a place of rest and creativity. And sometimes I do it as a form of escapism when my body is tired and I can't do the physical things that help me, you know, and maybe exercise is off the off the radar, which it can be for long periods with my chronic fatigue. But Mm. it's a way that I can express and create and do something that's I heard this thing once, what was it? It said something about if I'm if I'm not creating, I'm destroying. And I thought, oh, and I thought, yeah, if I'm not creating, I'm destroying myself. So I added on the myself bit because, yeah, I, like writing is, for me, is a really healing thing. It's a, it's something that I'm making that didn't exist before. It's It's my me time. So my son doesn't really like to sleep very much, which is great. Um, he likes to be up at half 11 midnight till most nights because he just doesn't need a lot of sleep, whereas I really, really do. <laughs> um, but what I do is when I get him out of the bath and I'll, I'll normally put him in his bedroom and I'll put his stories on or whatever, Paddington, and then I come in my room and I shut my door, I put some cello music on and I just write for maybe half an hour 40 minutes um and I'm like that's my me time that's where and I say to Steve shut his door I don't want to hear him the monitor's on downstairs you can listen this is this is my time and you know there have been times where I've been too exhausted even to do that um but you know yeah I'm not sure where I was going to go with that I also have ADHD (laughs) (laughs) I do this a lot I know I'm the same I'm like I, what's I'm it all, talking about yeah hang on a minute oh what 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 happened there um it, it's it's so true though because it's having that time and it's almost and this is my new thing it's almost staying just below the bar because I can tend to over rev and I can tend to like you know, oh, I want, I love this. I'm just going to read this book and I'm going to read all six of their books this weekend. <laughs> and it's yeah. just staying beneath the bar, isn't it? Because then that helps you still do the things that you love, still do carve out that time for yourself, you know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we started doing as well is on the weekends, we pay for three hours of uh, childcare, and you know where we can just have a bit of time to and sometimes it's just you know it's just doing the washing and sorting the house out but usually we take that time to just go what do I want to do I want to I want to read some poetry and have a coffee in the garden or I want to just go and bring a friend or go for a swim whatever it is and you know I know that I'm wobbling with my self-esteem 
and I'm in danger zone when I start going, oh no, I can't do that. I feel guilty. He's going to feel neglected da, 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 or we can't afford it. And it's like, yeah, we might not be able to afford it, but really 30 quid, we, you know, between us, we can afford, you know, and, yes. and, and it's, and it's worth it and it's money well spent. And when I start thinking, oh, no, maybe I'll cancel that and I'll just do it all myself. Yeah. Then I'm not in a good place. And when I start booking things in on Fridays, I'm like, that's not good. Friday is my day. Yes, exactly. And it's making it non-negotiable, isn't it? Yeah. Really protecting yourself, which is counteractive to what we're used to doing. Because I guess to land us on that square of being exhausted, we're not looking after ourselves. In fact, we're the opposite. We're really mean. (laughs) We're that tyrant boss to ourselves. So it's it's kind of creating those new patterns of behaviour and habits, I guess. Yeah. Not easy to do. Not easy at all. But actually, once you get into the flow of it, you start to enjoy the rest and leisure time and think, oh my God, why have I been like driving myself like this for so long? For what? Like, yeah. for what? So yes. that I can say to people, oh, I've got this. Now. No one loves you for that. No one, you know, if I died tomorrow, no one would say she got 30 distinctions and she got accepted to Kings. No one gives a fuck. No it's one cares. So they just want to spend time with you and know that you're okay and happy and healthy as healthy as you can be yeah that's it exactly it's so true it's so true oh so how do you do so you don't necessarily I'm curious here Ebony like I just how does a genius like just share this level of creativity in the world like do you does it just fall out of you like darling how do you do this <laughs> I'm I'm literally gonna have the biggest head after talking to you I'm like oh my god like, thank you. this is so nice but I'm also like in my head I'm secretly going I'm not a fucking poet she does she uh, think I'm in a I'm like oh no I'm pretending to I'm Buster syndrome I'm on a podcast that, talking about poetry you absolutely what are you doing that bloody <laughs> imposter syndrome I tell and I think that's why Mockingbird really hits home with me I love yeah. that oh yeah. my gosh so, so mockingbird mockingbird is is it's a really long poem in the book is it's a really long one and it's a conversation between myself and the voice of shame in my head and yeah. who I call the mockingbird who is who as I'm writing a poem is on my shoulder going this is shit no one's ever going to read this yeah. what kind of title is this skin I'm in and I'm like but I really want to write a book and the voice is like but no one's ever going to read it. Like, you're ridiculous. Like, who do you think you are? And so it's this conversation between us. And not to spoil it, but at the end, I politely tell her to fuck off. I love and, it. And I write the book anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> You're like, do one. It's, it's like, do oh, one, Shane. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. But I just feel anyone who's experienced imposter syndrome will... I, I don't know. I defy you not to have a tear when you're reading it because I certainly did. <laughs> yeah. It's it's incredible. But I'm just like, do you just kind of go into a zone? Do you, does it just kind of is it when you're doing something you're like, oh, and words come to you and you start to jot them down on bits of receipts and stuff? Like, what? How does this all mm. happen for you, Ebony? So, when I was writing this book. I had a period of a few months where they literally were falling out of me. And I thought I'd kind of maybe write something at one o'clock in the morning, which is often the way in my phone. And then the next day I'd come across it and think, I don't remember writing that. I'm like, who wrote that? And sometimes I'm like, 
think that's really rubbish. And other times I'm like, oh, I think that's that's quite good. And I'm like, did I write that? I can't remember. Like, it doesn't sound like I did, but I did. So sometimes it is that process of them falling out. And I think that's when it's a really cathartic process is where you're in that state of flow and it just all comes together and you're like, yeah. And it's really hard for me to write poetry when I'm not in that state, but I've really learned this kind of, to quote my partner, Steve, I've learned this kind of wholesome discipline lately of, um, of writing anyway, even if I feel stuck, even if I feel like my writing's shit, even if I am like, I've got nothing to write about, I'm like, just write something anyway. And sometimes it works out really well and sometimes it doesn't but quite often it will be um like I remember I was going to get a frappuccino as I always am because I'm addicted to frappuccino <laughs> uh, so I have to have one every day otherwise I just I'll die or something I don't know. <laughs> but quite often I'd be you know I'd be kind of walking down there and there's loads of graffiti where I live in Bethnal Green and be kind of looking at the graffiti and dashing to Starbucks and I'd I just had this thing in my head of, I remember the word mockingbird coming into my head and I thought, oh, the mockingbird has stolen my words. And I was like, yeah, it's it's this mockingbird, literally, not to be vulgar and use that language, but some oh. bird, yeah. some mocking bitch bird yeah. in my head who's just slagging me off and I'm just like, would you please just fuck <laughs> <shut> off? <laughs> just fuck <laughs> off. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, and... Then so I'd write down the word mockingbird in my phone and then it might be six months later I'd come back to it and go, oh, that fits in really nicely with that. And, you know, I had some, I wrote a poem on the retreat last week called Mother Horse and it's it's just a short poem. And I was having a session of craniosacral therapy, which is something that really helps me with my chronic fatigue um, along with sort of acupuncture and other body work. But I was having the cranio session and just as I opened my eyes, I just had this thing that came into my head, which was mother horse. And I thought, I don't know what that means, but I'll write it down. And then it became this poem about, um, maybe I'll read it to you. Oh, I'd love that, darling. Please. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Oh, look at us. We're in for a treat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's shine. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just, I don't I'm just, think so. Just having a little scroll to find it. Bear with me a second. So here we go. Mother horse. Such a privilege. Ah, thanks. So it's at the moment just uh, a little paper thing. It's not quite finished. Yeah. Um, yeah. So mother horse. Gallop with your belly full of me into the moonless night beneath pregnant clouds and abandoned stars. Deliver me to the blacksmith. Nail scallops of iron to my false slippers. Braid my hair. Here is my suckling prayer. Make me yours. Know me, Mother Horse. Oh, my God. See, <laughs> you know what? You're the only guest that I've had to get tissue. And I told you, like, I'm not even glamorous. I've got toilet roll. Because I was like, He's oh, got I've, got bug roll. <laughs> I've got a bug roll. I'm like, oh, my God, I know at some point I'm going to have a moment. Oh, my God. See, your words. Oh, Ebony. Incredible, See, that, darling. That, one, that one's quite different to the poems in this skin. I mean, I think... Those ones are a bit more what I would call my kind of street style, more of a kind of not commercial, but imagine graffiti. Yeah. The, the you know, the the poems in this skin I'm in in my mind look like graffiti, hence the yes. cover. Um, whereas the new stuff that I'm writing looks perhaps more kind of natural and 
earthy and simple and pared back. Um, so the the next collection will be very different. It's it's a much deeper and more abstract um, okay. collection. Oh so this one God. was all about. This one was, you know, you, you know what the poems are about. It's pretty straightforward and it's pretty. Um, what's the word? So, yeah, I guess they're quite raw and punchy, but also vulnerable, I suppose. Um, and they're very much all about, you know, trauma and my body and my mind and dissociation. Whereas a lot of the new stuff is is really kind of wildly different. I'm almost like, okay, I've closed that one. I've done that now. I yeah. feel like I've woven all those bits of me together in this yeah. book. And now I'm ready to move on to the next chapter, which is more along the lines of kind of motherhood and the natural world. Yeah. And and that must have been hard to do, Ebony, you know, to go through because a lot of us tend to have past experiences that, you know, bloody got that shame post-it note that we stuck on all those years ago and and you know, undeservedly. How how do you go back and look at those experiences? Because so many have just like shut the door and go, oh, I'll forget mm. that one, you know. That's so brave. <clears throat> I think, you know, in, in this skin I'm in, there's that there are very definite um ages that I'm going back to. So, you yeah. know, there's one in there about being 14, and it says in there 14 mm. was the worst. And you know, there's one in there called chalk mark about when I was 17 and I moved to London, and and it was very much parts that had really been dissociated and I'd kind of turned my back on, like, I don't want anyone to know about those parts of me. And I I want, including myself, I want to forget that they existed. And it's like, that's me that I'm talking about. That same me, I still carry within my body. You know, it's not some separate person. They're all me. And that writing the poems, even though it was uh, painful, it, it was also really, really healing for them to, for me to kind of, almost like a tapestry, just like kind of weave them all together and mend myself and and make myself whole. And it might be that I look back and think, oh, I forgot about, I don't know, three-year-old me or I forgot about 26-year-old me. But but generally it just, and it wasn't the plan when I first started writing the poems, but it seems like I've kind of gone back in time and seen myself as a 14-year-old and said, you know what, I'm so sorry that I shunned you and I'm so sorry that I didn't hear you and I can hear you now and Mm. and you know and you have the opportunity here to to have your feelings heard and held and voiced and and yeah that's that's what it's all about really um Mm. like chalk mark I know I know you said hold on a sec I'm just having a look through the book so chalk mark um I feel like I kind of would like to read this one it's a short one yes please And so this one is about being 17 and moving to London. So chalk mark. I ran so fast, I left myself behind. A trail of damage in my wake, that ache. Looking for something bigger. A mummy-shaped hole and lipstick so thick and skin so thin and consciousness opaque. The shame made her feel so unpretty in that seedy city. And the young woman began to evaporate. Heart-shaped loneliness, eyes with no shine left her value on the district line and so yeah that when I think back to that 
I was about to that little 17 year old and I you know I just decided overnight I'm going to move to London I don't know anyone and and I just think yeah I was really lonely and mm. I was running from myself and in recovery we talk about doing a geographical which is where you think oh well, you know we'll move to America because then I'll be okay and it's like but you take yourself with you yes. you know you take yourself with you wherever you go you cannot get away from yourself you can try and I've certainly tried <laughs> and it can work for periods of time, you know, with this frantic busyness that leads to burnout or whether it's addiction or, you know, whatever that is, dissociating or overeating and overspending and whatever that is, you know, we can try and try and try and run and run and run. But at some point, your mind and body will just be begging you, yeah. screaming at you, please, yeah. please hear me. Yes, exactly. And so what would you say like to someone like I did when I, you know, was reading your book and, oh my gosh, so many of them were landing in my heart or, you know, brought a tear to my eye. What would you say to someone reading your poems who needs that, that almost that hope, like, like you've come through to the other side, like how would you encourage them? So like, you know, come on, come through to the other side because we've both been there at days. It's so dark. It's so cold. You're like, I don't even know where the door is to go to the other side. Mm. What would you say to someone? You know what? I think knowing what kind of person I am and I hate people telling me what to do. I really... I have an, uh, a small problem <laughs> with authority. I'm like, if you tell me what to do, I'm probably going to do the opposite. So what I think of, and this is not my term, this is a term from recovery, is attraction rather than promotion. So mm. I, rather than saying to someone, you know, you really should, uh, and I do fall into this because I'm a good codependent and I'm a fixer and a helper. I, what I want to say to someone is, please go to a meeting, please start therapy. You need to do this, you need to do that. But I try not to do that. And I try and say, this is what I did. You know, I yes. I really struggled with alcohol. I really struggled with food. And I went to meetings and I did therapy and that's really helped me. And hopefully people see that as, you know, you're kind of displaying evidence with within your life, you know, who you are, how you operate, what your life looks like. Uh, rather than telling them that they should do something. So I'll give you an example. Um, uh, you know, every year I used to put something on on my Facebook, which was like, um, you know, I'd put 10 years sober and then the next year, 11 years sober, 12 years sober, 30, you know, and I'll be 15 soon. And somebody contacted me, obviously, I won't say who because it's anonymous, but who I hadn't seen for many, many years. And she said, you know, I always see that every year I see your thing. And I thought, oh I know I need that but I'm not ready she said and then I'd see it again the next year she said I'm ready now and she's been sober for a couple of years now and wow. and I'm you know and I'm just like yeah like it's it's a ripple effect you know and yes yeah and you know I think again when you know I came into recovery then a really good friend of mine came in and then her really good friend came in and then her partner started doing therapy and it's like we, we're just kind of not on purpose modeling behavior, but I suppose just saying to people, this is what I did and it worked for me. Yes. You know, I'm here to ask any questions, answer any questions. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's the greatest inspiration, isn't it? To see someone else do their journey. We're all so individual. We'll all have our own path, but it's, it's, you know, so inspiring to see someone 
make and also just to take the pressure off like you know in the intro to this skin i'm in i talk about um people who have gone through whether it's you know trauma or grief or whatever they're going through yes there are these really helpful things like therapy or you know whatever yoga or 12-step meetings but some days it might be hiding under the duvet and it might be eating 50 biscuits and and that's all right or it might be picking your skin or cutting and and don't give yourself a hard time and think oh I'm not doing it right and if only you know if people knew it's like everyone is doing some kind of shit to get away from their feelings and some are more in inverted commas acceptable than others but you know what I, I I suppose just my thing is the more honest we can be about those things the more people go oh my god I do that as well but I have never dared to say anything to anyone and I'm like yeah well it turns out like when I started taking antidepressants and I felt shame about it at first and I mentioned to someone they're like oh yeah I've been on this for years and everyone I mentioned to was like oh yeah I'm on them and I was like why has no one ever told me this like why don't you tell me and I get why they don't because of maybe their own shame and fear however I purposefully will tell people yeah I'm in recovery yeah I take medication yeah this has happened that's happened because I'm like maybe if they hear it from someone else they'll go oh I'm not alone and I'm not a weirdo you know yes and it's so important you 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 feel so alone when you're going through this it's so important to see those and hear those stories I love how you wrote in the author's note um I've I remembered that when we dig out old foundations we create a pool into which we can allow the pool of light to flood it I, I was just like yeah oh my gosh it's so true it's mm. you know creating that yeah yeah Beautiful. you've kind of got a dig out dig out all the old crap so that you can make space to build something new and and beautiful and you know it doesn't mean you have to kind of chuck it away but just to go in there and be like yeah these layers and layers and layers have built up over the years and maybe it's time to have a look at those and go a bit deeper and dismantle them a bit and knowing that you're not doing it as a as a, a a painful torturous exercise to hurt yourself with you're doing it because the amount of joy and peace and love that flows in when you do that work is worth more than anything in the world. Yeah, you're so right. I love that. Oh, Ebony, before we go, could you read too much for me? It's my favourite poem in the book. And I would, (laughs) I thought, oh, I really want, you know, the listeners to hear this. And I can't read it aloud because I cry every time. (laughs) So I would love you. I can can read it, but would you like to read it? I think I'll, my voice might go funny. Okay, I'll have a go. But, that, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's the point, isn't yeah. it? If you don't, you don't voice... have to put on a show here, Flick. Oh, <laughs> darling. <laughs> Ebony, thank you. You've given me permission. Yeah. So okay, I'm going to have a go. Let's speak up even if your voice <clears throat> shakes. I yeah. like that. Okay, it might go a bit funny because it's the first thing that happened. Right. Okay, right. Oh, my God. I bloody love this one. <gasps> oh, okay. Too much. The wind makes her skin feel battered and bruised. The light assaults her electric skin bemused by air and clothes. Others' words, open fire blows. Stiletto heals in her heart, splattered red fine art on white canvas. That said over and over, she feels too much. Oh my God, it was beautiful. See, every time. (laughs) It is bloody gorgeous. Flick, I'm I'm so I'm so glad that you had a wobbly voice and a couple of tears at the end because that's the whole point. It's like the reason you didn't want to read it is because you think that you're too much and you're not. 
uh, you're not. Yeah. None of us are. We're not too much. No matter what none anybody is. You're no. so right that none of us are. And I think, oh my gosh, I hope everyone listening to this remembers that. And if, you know, and can help others remember, none of us are too much. Oh, darling, yeah. it's just bloody beautiful. <laughs> oh, you see, this is why. Like, oh my gosh, you're a gift to the world, love. You really are. <laughs> flick, flick. I'd rather listen to a podcast any day where someone is honest and having oh. a cry and wiping their face with bog roll any yes. day than someone who's like, so here's what's on the agenda and we're going to talk about <laughs> this load of shite next. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It's so true. I can remember when I was talking with my coach, Annie, and she said, you should do a podcast. And I was like, oh no, love, I'd be the worst person. Like I would not stick to the questions. I'll get so involved in the conversation. <laughs> I'll start crying. She went, but that's why you need to do it. Exactly. <laughs> so I completely, why. yeah, I get it. I get it. Oh my gosh. Emily, I could talk to you all day. This has been incredible. And I just know the things you've shared today is really going to help some people listening out there and I just can't wait for more people to find your beautiful work and I got my copy from Amazon and they deliver worldwide so to all of my (laughs) listeners this side of the pond go get it I just mine has got 50 flags I've read it three times already I just honestly (laughs) I love it oh it's been incredible now at the end of every conversation I've been asking my guests um just some quick fire light-hearted questions to end on if you're up for it darling yes 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 right okay so on your dodgy tough days lemon in water lemon in gin you don't want to see me on lemon and gin. It's like a petrol on a bonfire. It's not a good idea. So I'm going to have to say water. lemon and water. Done, 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 done. Or frappuccino. Frappuccino. <laughs> I love it. Uh, move your body or move the remote. On tough days, oh, both. Go to a yoga class and then watch Friends or something lovely. Just something funny and lovely and warm yeah yes absolutely uh bag of almonds or bag of maltesers maltesers i know i love my maltesers <laughs> a cup of tea uh oh darling you and i are both on this one ask for help or happy to hermit <laughs> i am ecstatic to hermit but <laughs> i force myself to ask for help because it's good for me and it's good for the other person as well yes Absolutely. And lastly, what's the one self-compassionate thing you're going to do for yourself today that your future self will thank you for? Oh, what am I going to do? Um, So this morning I already made actual voice on voice contact with another another human. (laughs) I made actual voice on voice contact with another human being on the telephone um, when I would rather stay in bed and speak to nobody. And I had a cry and then I felt better and I got on with the day. <laughs> so amazing. That's the amazing. You did it, yeah. darling. Oh, yeah. Ebony, thank you so much. I will put in the show notes where everyone can find you and a link to the book because I, I really do think every everyone should get a copy. You, you don't even know. And I don't, you know how you hear the people say, oh, get this book, it's really good. No, I really do mean it. It's like, it's just incredible. <laughs> incredible. So thank you so much for your time today and your wisdom. It's been so lovely chatting with you. Blick, it's been an absolute pleasure 
chatting with you and I could chat to you all day. You, you just made it so easy and you're so kind and beautiful. I can just see and hear, even though I've never met you, I'm like, what a beautiful song. Oh, yeah. darling. Thank you so much. Well, you Thank take you. care. I will. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everyday Burnout Conversations. Please check the show notes for any links to items discussed today. And the original music and sound editing is by Chris Taylor. If you've enjoyed this podcast and have a spare few minutes, then it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a happy starry rating and review. It really does help this podcast reach a little further. And I just love it to land in the lap of those who, like me, last year are perhaps feeling isolated and lonely in their burnout struggle. Please note this podcast is not intended as medical advice. Remember you matter so don't hesitate to reach out to your doctor or mental health professional for support if you're having a rough time. Wishing you a great week and take good care of yourself. Bye for now.